Welcome to the Friday subscribers-only edition of the Hub Dialogues, the podcast of the Hub, Canada's leading source for insight and analysis into the big issues and ideas driving the public conversation. On these special Friday-only broadcasts, we're going to be convening Sean Spear, our editor-at-large, and Stuart Thompson, our editor-in-chief, for a conversation with me, Rudyard Griffiths, about the big stories and issues that have animated the public conversation over the last seven days. Our goal is to leave you with some new analysis and insights, and hopefully some new perspectives on the big issues of our time. So pull up a chair right now and join Sean Spear, Stuart Thompson, and myself for the Friday subscriber-only edition of the Hub Dialogues. Hello, Hub subscribers. Rudyard Griffiths here, your executive director. Welcome to this, your regular Friday roundtable discussion with Stuart Thompson, our editor-in-chief, Sean Spear, editor-at-large. We're doing this on July 1st, Canada Day. Dare I say Dominion Day? I don't know. Can you can you do that, guys? Can you say Dominion Day anymore? I always love that um, phraseology, but hey, we'll leave that for another day. But Guys, great to be in conversation with you, Stuart. What is uh, what's Canada Day like uh, in your household? What what are you guys doing? Um, well, I as I think I mentioned before, I'm an immigrant to Canada. We moved here when I was five. Um, my parents came from uh, Scotland in the '80s, and you know that like stereotypical immigrant thing where you become the most patriotic people on the block and you have a big flag and. That's basically us. And I've carried that on um, from those years. We grew up in Halifax. So we would have a literal lobster boil on Canada Day and like a big party. And I, you know, we we have talked about John Chere's vision of Canada being old and archaic and sort of this like 1980s version of Canada where you, you know, say kind of anodyne like things about how good Canada is. That is actually how I think. I'm like a typical immigrant in that way. Nice. And Sean Spear, you've been living a kind of cross-border existence uh, this last year. So are you gearing up for the 4th of July? You got the stars <laughs> and stripes, you know, at the back of your uh, soon-to-be tailgating party uh, <laughs> at that's, the Spear household? No, that's blasphemy, Rudyard. Uh, my family and I are in Laurel, Ontario. Uh, this is where we'll be spending Canada Day. It's a, a great little community, about an hour and 15 minutes uh, east of Ottawa, mostly francophone. So my uh, my French is tested every time I go to the the grocery store or the or the gas station. Um, but it's a great place to be throughout the year, and especially today uh, on Canada Day. H- how about you, Rudyard? Where are you and your family? Well, I you know what did George Washington say when he cut down the cherry tree? I cannot tell a lie. I'm seven hours ahead of you guys. I'm in Italy today, uh, a little family vacation, uh, getting away to see some. Some family, actually, my sister. Yeah, first time in five years. Uh, so, um, wow! I wish you guys were here. The wine is good. The pasta is flowing. Uh, truffles are making an appearance. I feel a very long way from beaver tails, moose, uh, all the kind of per- paraphernalia of July one. So, I'm going to have to get a dose of that uh, today with you in our conversation. What we're going to do today, guys, is. Uh, a little bit of a departure from our usual format where we kind of immediately jump into current events. Um, I've been thinking about, you know, reading lists for this summer. What the heck should I be 
reading on my nine and a half hour flight back from Rome Fumacino uh, to Pearson International. And then the, then the nine hours that I'll spend in line at Pearson getting out of the airport. Uh, I want your book recommendations, guys. I know I've got a couple for you. So what I thought we could do is uh, start with some, some serious meaty texts. Like what's the big kahuna that you think everyone's got to spend some time with this summer and then maybe something more uh, light and fun. So Sean, I want to start uh, with you as our editor at large. You have done literally with Amal Adar Guzman, our producer and content editor, literally dozens of interviews with authors over the course of this year. Is there something that really jumped out at you as a must read? Well, that, that's a great question. Um, and, and as you say, our twice weekly podcast often profiles authors um, who've just written a new book. And it's one of the best parts of my involvement at the hub that I get to speak uh, twice a week with uh, such dynamic thinkers covering such a wide range of topics from uh, domestic policy and politics in Canada uh, to um, global issues, in including a, a recent episode with Princeton University professor Aaron Friedberg, um, who I think is one of the most kind of trenchant and thoughtful um, thinkers and scholars when it comes to the West's relationship with, with China. His uh, recent book, Getting China Wrong, effectively outlines a series of missteps um, that the West, including Canada, has made over the better part of 30 years in what he describes as a, a strategy of engagement. I mean, it, to kind of cut through the thesis, his basic argument is that the Chinese uh, saw through our, our efforts and advanced a, a kind of counter strategy um, to reap the benefits of economic cooperation without um, giving up um, the, the countries and the Communist Party's stronghold on, um, on the politics and society. And so Friedberg essentially outlines a, a new strategy to replace what he describes as a, a failed one for China. And, you know, if you accept the premise, which I do, that the West relationship with China uh, will, um, will define um, you know, the coming decades, then I, I think it's a must read uh, for uh, our listeners and, and hopefully for um, policymakers in our Department of Foreign Affairs, uh, which are supposed to be working on an Indo-Pacific strategy um, over the, the coming months. Stuart, uh, what's your recommendation for a serious, substantive book? No Archie comics, uh, no Tanta. I want, I want something I really... I'm going to groan when I put it up onto my chest in the hammock and crack the spine of at least a thousand pages. Come on. I think there's a fair chance you may have already read this one, Roger, because it's totally up your alley. But um, the book I read this year that is still kind of lives in my brain is The Company, The Rise and Fall of the Hudson's Bay Empire by Stephen R. Brown. And it's just a sweeping history of the Hudson's Bay Company. And I... I think I didn't quite realize how intertwined the company was with Canadian history. I kind of knew that abstractly because people say that, but once you start to read it and you realize that, you know, it's, it's the building things and it's the trade that really mattered to sort of forging relationships and, you know, pushing people through the country uh, in a way they probably wouldn't have otherwise. Um, I think um, probably the most interesting part of it all to me is that we have all these explorers that we've heard of um, from this era and when you start to hear the details of their trips, you know, they were doing these epic 
basically hikes across Canada, you know, carrying things and uh, battling the elements. And a lot of the time they were just tagging along on sort of yearly indigenous trail uh, trade routes. And this was something that people were doing every year in those communities, but people were coming over from England, it would like you get a school named after you or a town named after you for doing it. Um, so it's great. It's kind of humbling in that sense. Uh, and it is just, you know, you'll groan by the, the heft of it, but it, it is written superbly. So it, it's a really nice prose style. And, you know, it's, it's one of those books that you won't be able to put down. Hey, great candidate content. I'd, I'd recommend check out, it was published a while ago, but it's a fantastic book when he was at the kind of height of his writing powers. Uh, Peter C. Newman's Company of Adventures. Uh, it's a multi, in fact, I think there's like three volumes. So you can really start, you know, finding the door stoppers uh, with that collection. So I recommend that to you, Stuart. Um, the, the book that I want to suggest is actually a guy I interviewed recently for uh, the Hub Dialogues. Um, and it's Stanford uh, historian and archaeologist Ian Morris. And his new book, uh, Geography is Destiny, Britain in the World, a 10,000-year history, is just a fabulous, fabulous read. If you've not um, dug into Ian Morris's uh, writing in the past, uh, you're in for a real pleasure. This is a kind of what I like to characterize that rock star, you know, uh, approach that, you know, some historians have, Neil Ferguson's another one, where they have the confidence to not write, frankly, about the history of the spinning wheel in Belleville from 1865 to 1867, but instead really go big and give you some grand theories about how the world works. And I think in Ian Morris's uh, view, and I think he's got a lot of really interesting insights, you know, it's all about geography and how the geography of the British Isles, uh, both in and of itself, but also more importantly, it's geography vis-a-vis -vis the continent and how the successive waves of invasion uh, from the Celts through to uh, the Saxons, the Normans, you go on and on how these successive waves of invasion uh, shaped uh, Britain and arguably by virtue of settlement here in Canada, you know, shaped our own culture and identity. It's just a, a big book, but a wonderful, wonderful, uh, rich read of, uh, of 10,000 years of history. So that, that would be my recommendation for you uh, for this summer. May I slip one more in? I, I know yeah. uh, I know uh, listeners have a lot of competing um, uh, co competition for their attention on this Canada Day, but this is the you know if someone said to me what book on your shelf should I read, my favorite book um, is actually from 1997, but it it is it it holds up. It's so powerful. If I ever got really rich, I would finance a, a film version of it. It's Sam Tonninghus's biography of Whitaker Chambers. Uh, listeners may be familiar with Chambers um, at his time at National Review Magazine. He was the editor of Time. He was uh, famously involved in the Algier Hiss um, communism case. But the, the best part of uh, the story of, of Chambers' life is the period from about 1932 to 38, while he's working as a communist spy in Washington for the Soviets. And he decides um, towards the end of that decade that he wants to um, leave that life. And it is just exhilarating. Um, you know, he really thinks he's going to be murdered. Um, and in fact, he sees many people around him being called back to Moscow and not returning. And so um, the, the two years or so that Chambers takes to 
you know, in effect, return to normal life, um, including uh, hiding um, important documents on his farm in Maryland is um, just heart pounding and uh, such a powerful history of the, the, the 20th century context of the Cold War, which for some of our younger listeners may um, may not be kind of part of their their lived experience. So that's a long way of saying if I can make a plug for a second book, I'd, I'd really encourage people to read uh, Whitaker Chambers, a biography by by Sam Tonning. It's a, a super fun and, and exhilarating read. Awesome. Okay, guys, let's talk about uh, some more frivolous, fun books uh, for the summer. Things that are going to be page turners, uh, reads that you'd like to indulge yourself uh, a little bit. Stuart, what's what's your pick in the in that category? Yeah, I actually was really, really looking for something like this last year because I had a new baby and I was reading all these heavy nonfiction books at bedtime. And I find that because I read a lot of these books sort of concurrent with ideas and stories I'm working on, my brain just starts going into overdrive before bed. So I thought I need some like silly fiction to read. This turned out to be a strategic error because I started picking up the Jack Reacher series. Um, this is like classic Lee Child stuff. Um, and I loved, I liked the Tom Cruise movie, so I figured it would be okay. The problem I had though, is they're so page turning that I would be reading for an hour and a half, two hours before bed and like staying up late and feeling tired the next day. But it shows you the, the quality of how good they are for what, what they're trying to do. And if you are a fan of the Tom Cruise movies or you don't even like the Tom Cruise movies, I would recommend checking out the Amazon Prime series. It's new. It's really sort of uh, like along the lines of the books. They're really loyal to the books. Um, so if you're looking for something fun to watch, it's really great. And if you're looking for an avenue into the Jack Reacher books, the first one is great. You could start with the first one and be fine. But my favorite most recent one is the third one. It's called Tripwire. Tripwire. Okay. Um, I'll give you mine uh, real quick, and then we'll go to uh, Sean. Um, it's uh, 2034, a novel of the next world war. This is a kind of like reverse uh, counterfactual history. It's like a, I don't know what you'd call it, a counterfactual future where Admiral James Trevitas, who's a super smart guy, uh, former Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, co-wrote it. Uh, with um, uh, another kind of experienced uh, author, Ackerman, Ackerman, who's also, check out Elliot Ackerman's uh, war memoirs um, of Afghanistan and Iraq. Just, uh, again, terrific, terrific writing. But uh, this book is a, a fun, hypothetical look at how China and the United States would get lured or fall into a war over uh, the independence of, of Taiwan. It, it's got a little bit of Tom Clancy, a bit of Top Gun. Uh, it's all mixed together into uh, just a fun kind of fanciful take on who knows what could be the next big uh, geopolitical crisis. I'm afraid on the question of fun light reads, I, I cheated a bit. Um, I, I don't have any uh, uh, fiction uh, offerings. But what I did do was I compiled a short list of my favorite columns. So they're short, if anything. Um, four newspaper columns that I'd encourage people to read that I go back and read all the time is uh, Charles Krauthammer's uh, December 29th, 2011 column for the Washington Post called Alone in the Universe, uh, which 
um, makes the case for the importance of politics. Um, I, I, I'd strongly encourage it. The second is a column from May 2nd, 2012 by George Will at the Washington Post called John Will, 40 Years and Going with Down Syndrome that um, acknowledges and recognizes the, the birthday of his son, John, um, which is beautiful and profound. Uh, and then I have two Tim Carney um, columns. Uh, in last week's episode, Stuart mentioned uh, Tim Carney. So we're on a bit of a Tim Carney kick here. Uh, the first is uh, from February 24th, 2013 in the Washington Examiner um, a column about the passing of his young uh, nephew, John Paul. It's, the column's called An Awful Loss, A Beautiful Life, A Daunting Task. Um, it's it's really powerful and I'd encourage people to read it. Um, and then the last one from October 10th, 2017, similarly by Carney in the Washington Examiner, it's called Cultural Alienation, The Rootless Killer in Vegas, um, which um, is a kind of cultural commentary on that shooting in Vegas. People may remember um, where this guy killed a bunch of people from a hotel room. And you know, five years out, we basically have no motive, no explanation. This guy had no connections, no affiliations. And, um, and in that story, um, Carney uh, paints a kind of bigger picture of cultural and alienation. So pardon me, listeners, I don't have something fun, but these are at least short. And I, I think they're all worth reading. I go back and read them all the time. Awesome. So we will, in the show notes to today's episode, just go on the hub.ca, look for the roundtable. We'll get uh, all of uh, Sean's articles there listed along with the, the books that uh, we've recommended. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, uh, we're going to cap off this Canada Day edition of the Hub Roundtable with a little discussion of where the country is at mentally. What's our headspace uh, a year after Canada Day was marked with flags at half-mast and a, an increasingly kind of somber mood about uh, the origins and compositions of the country's identity. We'll get that for you right after this break. Rudyard Griffiths here, the executive director of The Hub. Thank you for listening to this, our Friday subscriber-only podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast and what The Hub is all about, providing insightful analysis and insights into the big issues and ideas facing Canada, all from a 100% Canadian perspective, please consider becoming a donor. You can do that right now at www.thehub.ca. Simply click on the button Donate. We'll send you a charitable tax receipt and a whole bunch of great benefits that come with being a Hub donor. Again, you can do that right now at www.thehub.ca. Thank you in advance for your generous contribution. Now back to our program. Hello, welcome back to the Hub Roundtable. Rudyard Griffiths here, your executive director. I'm talking with Sean Spear, our editor-at-large, Stuart Thompson, our editor-chief. Guys, I want to just spend the remaining moments of uh, this Canada Day edition of the Roundtable talking a little bit about what the national mood is like a year later. Um, and what I'm referring to is a Canada Day of 2021, where there was, I think, a, a pretty profound reflection on a lot of different elements of our history. There were some very overt symbolic actions taken, flying our flags at half-mast uh, in recognition of, uh, of uh, First Nations uh, and their suffering and the extent to which uh, different institutions in the country and individuals were kind of culpable in the residential school system. Stuart, where do you think we're 
at a year later. Have these issues and concerns endured? Um, what's the kind of the pulse, the state of, of Canadian national identity in July 1st, 2022? Yeah, I, I have sort of a worrying sense that it's never been strong in, in the past little while. And I, I think something else to throw into that mix of what's kind of bringing down the mood is, you know, we, however you feel about the trucker protest that happened earlier in the year, there was a lot of Canadian flags being flown upside down and a lot of, um, you know, vandalism and that kind of thing. And I think that's probably weighing on us a little bit too. You know, I know, especially hearing from progressive friends that they're a little nervous flying Canadian flag because they don't want to seem like they're part of some trucker protest. And however, uh, realistic those fears are, I think it's still a factor. It's still something going on in people's heads. And I think probably that protest also made us think a little bit about what we are as a country. Um, and all of this is tied to the pandemic. We're, we're coming out of this really hard time. Um, you know, it was acutely hard for a lot of that, that two-year period. And now we're coming into sort of an uncertain economic time. And I think probably the feeling, if you could sum it up, with one word is uncertainty right now. The other word I would use is attenuated. Um, we have uh, in Alberta, a leadership campaign for the United Conservative Party, where we have basically competing claims about, you know, for all intents and purposes, growing independence, or even I think some candidates are actually using the word sovereignty to describe Alberta's relationship to the rest of the country. Um, Quebec, of course, um, continues to advance, uh, the Quebec government that is, continues to advance legislation um, that uh, has the effect of isolating the province um, from, from the rest of the country. So, um, well, we don't quite have the, the kind of dark clouds over this Canada Day that we might have last year in the context of of um, kind of, I think, a, a moment of reckoning with respect to um, Indigenous or First Nations residential schools, um, I, I do worry a bit that the kind of ties that bind us nationally seem to be uh, weakening. And um, what what's really concerning about that, Rudyard and Stewart, is that it's not obvious to me who the, the person or institutions are um, that are going to step up and um, strengthen those ties. In fact, the the kind of political incentives for national parties and for provincial parties uh, is to, um, you know, in effect, um, kind of poke at those uh, divisions or sense sources of, of, of attenuation. And, and so, uh, you know, I marked today's Canada Day feeling a bit um, uh, disquieted about, um, about the state of the country. Uh, what's, what's your take, Rudyard? Well, I mean, maybe one way to look at this is the you know the changing lens of um, of where we find ourselves at the midpoint of this year, which is uh, you know some storm clouds emerging on the horizon vis-a-vis -vis the economy, people's uh, economic optimism. I think in interesting ways, those forces can actually be catalysts for some sense of um, of renewed uh, national. Uh, echoes in our our collective sense of self i think we've spent you know the last decade in just such a remarkable uh, bubble uh, a bubble that existed uh you know on multiple dimensions uh 
very few real or any urgent geopolitical risks facing the country, um, uh, an economic environment, you know, buoyed by ultra low interest rates and, you know, soaring asset prices, including housing, you know, I think people turn to identity as we see in, in the Ukraine right now, it's the most kind of powerful and poignant example. People return to the nation as a place and a source of meaning, often at times of, of uh, crisis or at least of need and of anxiety. So I, I always try to caution myself a little bit about drawing hard and fast conclusions about uh, where we're at now, just because it is, it's been such an odd decade, uh, a decade, frankly, of indulgence, in many, many ways, personally, uh, collectively, uh, we have uh, become uh, a narcissistic nation, let me just call it for what it is. And, and you don't, you don't need the nation, you don't think about its institutions, you don't think about its patrimony, when you uh, your focus is really on kind of satiating personal interests, personal desires, uh, personal privilege. And I, I think a kind of economic shakeup could maybe shake up some of that complacency uh, towards uh, the nation as a source of meaning in our lives. Can I just say, um, there was a moment a couple of months ago in Ontario where masks took a long time to come off here, uh, even though community spread was pretty low. And I rationally knew that I didn't want to be wearing a mask, but I would go into a store and 80% of the people there were all wearing masks. And I thought, oh, well, I'll just go along. Uh, and so I noticed this was happening. And then I thought, I bet like half these people don't actually want to be wearing these masks. So I just said, okay, you know what? I'm going to do the thing I think is right and just take it off. And I noticed slowly there was that kind of like <laughs> the momentum happened. And I thought, it shows you that you should actually do things that you think are right, rather than just doing the thing that feels like the safest thing to do. Uh, and in that spirit, I ordered a very large Canada flag for Canada Day this year, because I was like, you know what, we're going to take our flag back. And <laughs> it's like, not usually the kind of thing that I would think or do. Um, but I hope that spirit kind of runs through us in the next little while, because I really do think we need it. Yeah, it's a, it's a great thought. Um, uh, Stuart, I, I think there's, um, something there. Um, just yesterday, we released uh, an episode of Hub Dialogues with uh, Tariq Hadhad. Um, uh, if people haven't listened yet, um, you know, I, I would strongly encourage it. Um, Tariq, is, as listeners may know, is someone who immigrated, who came to Canada as a, refu a Syrian refugee uh, after spending um, three years in a Lebanese uh, refugee camp because him and his family were forced out of Damascus. And if you want to hear um, someone who uh, understands that notwithstanding, um, you know, Canada's imperfections, that it's still fundamentally a place uh, of uh, opportunity, pluralism, and peace, um, then um, I implore you to listen to the 40 or so minute conversation with Tariq had had, um, you know, his, uh, his, enthusiasm and feelings about Canada can't help but make you feel um, good about um, the kind of core of our country, even if at times our politics or our leadership or whatever is kind of screwed up, um, you know, that in the hearts of Canadians, I think there is um, something kind of beautiful and profound. And, and that conversation is a good reminder of that. Hey, thanks for sharing that. Sean, we'll get 
people to, again, a link in the show notes for this episode to that uh, Hub Dialogue. Guys, uh, let me just say it. Happy Dominion Day. Uh, enjoy the rest of your uh, July 1st. And um, yeah, uh, have a great long weekend. And we'll do this all again next Friday. Thank you for listening to this special Friday edition of the Hub Dialogues for subscribers only. I hope you've enjoyed the program. If you have a comment or suggestion about the show, an issue, topic and idea that you'd like us to cover on our regular Friday subscriber-only Hub Dialogues, please send us an email to info at thehub.ca. Also, check out our website, www.thehub.ca, for tons of great analysis and insights about the big issues and ideas shaping our world and Canada's future. While you're there, if you'd like to, consider becoming a donor. We'd love to have your support. Simply click on the donate button. We'll send you a charitable tax receipt and you'll get a whole series of great benefits and perks that come with being a hub donor. This edition and every edition of the Friday subscriber-only hub dialogues are produced by Ricky Gerwitz. I'm Rudyard Griffiths, the executive director of the hub. Talk to you again next Friday. Bye-bye.